Hello to all my Facebook friends and welcome to Bill's Tuesday Thursday Facebook study. It's Tuesday afternoon at West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are looking at the book of Colossians here in, um, and today we get to be in chapter 3 to have the flip side of our study last week. Last week we looked at uh, verses 5 through 11 and looked at some thou shalt nots that uh, the book of Colossians shares. And today, as I said, we get to see the flip side of that. Some thou shalts. Uh, Christianity is a very positive religion. It's a religion that calls us to do stuff and to be things and to be someone that is able to share the love and word of Christ. That's a very positive thing. Granted, there are some things that we're against. There are some passages of scripture that tell us uh, you can't live this way because if you live this way, then you're inherit the kingdom of heaven. Scripture does have those. And if you missed out on that last week, then feel free to scroll down a little bit and find those lessons on thou shalt nots. But this week, uh, we're looking at some thou shouts from Colossians 3. Eric and Cindy and everyone else that's joining us today uh, for our study. Welcome. And um, I want us to get right to something. Uh, and that is that um, we of Colossians 3 that we have looked at. And now. It has a list of things that we're not to do, uh, things that we're not to be like in verses 5 through 11. And then it also has um, a description of what Christians should be and how we should interact with each other. And so a few things about, um, about these passages as we continue on. Welcome to my cousin Gail and to my friend Pat. Nice to see you all joining us and others as well. Uh, the book of Colossians, and really the entire Bible, and you've likely heard me say this, I believe has been given to Christians. It's a Christian book. It's written to Christian individuals and to uh, churches, the New Testament we're speaking of. And that it calls on us to live a certain way. It calls on us to uh, emulate uh, the life of Jesus Christ. I believe some in past years have uh, called uh, the church uh, the second incarnation. Jesus in the flesh being the first incarnation, God made flesh, as John 1 and Philippians 2 and other places put it. But um, the church, the individual Christian, is the second incarnation. People should be able to see us and granted imperfectly, but see what it looks like uh, to have someone that loves uh, and is obedient to uh, the will of God. And I think that's what Christians are supposed to be. And I think the New Testament is written to help us know what that is. And, uh, and so remember the New Testament documents all written long after Jesus lived and died and was raised again, written long after the church begins within two months after uh, his death, burial and resurrection. So the, the New Testament is written to call us and to help us to be able to um, see what it looks like to be a faithful child of God. 
hopefully people can see that in our lives as well. And that's where these lists come in. Uh, as we see things in the context of a life of gratitude and joyful obedience, we recognize that that joyful obedience is just that. It's obedience. We obey the will and the commands of God. Uh, it starts with what Jesus calls the two great commandments, the two greatest, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It fleshes out into other general statements, such as Romans 12, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, Colossians 3.17, that we'll see in just a moment, to offer everything that we say and everything we do uh, as an act of worship, basically, to honor God through Jesus Christ our Lord and other general statements like that. <clears throat> but before we get to Colossians 3.17, let's look at the verses that precede it, shall we? Uh, remember verses 5 through 11, the ones we looked at last week, the thou shalt nots. This is how you're not to live. Uh, there's nothing to indicate in the New Testament that uh, there are no commands now that Jesus has died on the cross and we're no longer uh, called upon to obey the law of Moses. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that doesn't mean that we're free to live any way we want to live. Uh, this past Sunday, we spoke from Romans chapter 6 about being slaves to Christ rather than to self and slaves to righteousness rather than to sin. And, and that's where Colossians 3 comes in. It helps us to see what that looks like. And then uh, in the next chapter as well. Remember last week I spoke about a contest that uh, some uh, that CNN had put on and had uh, atheists write in a new Ten Commandments, basically the Ten Non-Commandments. Someone said there's nary a thou shalt not or thou shalt among them. Uh, and I think one of the keys in that list of the Ten Non-Commandments is number nine, which said there is no one right way to live. I think that statement just put puts in a little nutshell the whole reason that people live today, that it's nobody's going to tell me how I should live. Nobody's going to tell me what I can and cannot do, including God. And so you have a list of 10 non-commandments, and I think the core of that is there's no one right way to live. Well, Unfortunately, or fortunately, that's not what Jesus came and said and did. Jesus said, I have come to do your will, O God, as the writer of Hebrews uh, quotes the Old Testament and applies it to Jesus. Uh, Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. There is a right way to live, and that is in the love and word of God. That's how Jesus lived, and that's how we're to live as well. And so there are some things that are forbidden, and we talked about that last week. But Christianity is a very positive religion. If all we get out of it are the thou shalt nots, then we don't get it, uh, because that's not it at all. Jesus, I believe, was a very positive person, and that's why people flocked to him as he lived and as he taught and as he helped and as he healed. It is more than just avoiding evil. It is in the midst of an evil and selfish world a call to do good, not evil, to act unselfishly on behalf of others rather than selfishly on behalf of self. Our 21st century American culture seems really bent on living selfishly, demanding my rights, not being willing to sacrifice anything for the sake of others. And that's just far from uh, the New Testament teaching and the example of Jesus Christ. 
The Apostle Paul follows up his thou shalt not list in Colossians 3 verses 5 through 11 with some thou shalts for the followers of Christ today. So let's read that passage, Colossians 3, 12 through 17, and then we'll kind of go through it today and Thursday in a little bit more of a one by one uh, process. Colossians 3 verse 12, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Love that verse. Verse 17, one of those great, great summary verses. It could be a theme verse for you, a mission statement verse. Colossians 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's start with that verse, shall we? Because I can't, I can't preach that verse enough. I love Colossians 3, verse 17. Because I believe it says that everything we say and everything that we do is an act of worship. Now, it may not be an act of direct worship where we're singing or praying or studying the Bible. It could be something that's more indirect, such as um, being a good person, uh, loving your neighbor, doing the things that he had said earlier in the verses that we read, uh, refusing to do the things in the thou shalt not list of verses 5 through 11. Um, for Paul, he gives it that summary in chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 17. Everything you say and everything you do is done to honor God. And if it's done to honor God, I think that makes it an act of worship. Why do we refuse to do those things that he talked about in verses 5 through 11? It's because of our faith and our trust and our desire to be obedient to God. Why do we do the things we're about to talk about in verses 12 through 16? Same reason. It's because we love God and we want to please him and we want to be obedient to him. And so Paul summarizes it all up by saying in every word and in every deed, let's do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And let's do it all thankfully with gratitude. And as he has said earlier, with joy. Um, I want us to begin with this, this call in verse 12 and the last part of verse 13 and remind ourselves that uh, the imperative always comes after the indicative. Just as we see in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, before the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, God says in Exodus 20, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you. I didn't deliver you uh, based on your obeying these commandments that I'm about to give you. I, I delivered you because of my grace and my love and my mercy. And so now, as you are my people, and I have separated you and given you your freedom, here's how I want you to live. Well, in the same way, this is how Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17 begins. 
Verse 12, therefore, based on everything he said before, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things. Again, therefore, well, in chapter 1, it's the fact that God has given us his son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior, and he is the preeminent one, and he is the head of his body, the church. And in Colossians 2, we have died to sin and been buried with Christ through baptism, and now we live a new and different life. We don't give in to the uh, hollow and deceptive philosophies of our day, as Colossians 2 tells us, but rather we have chosen, chosen to seek God and to be obedient to his will and to his word rather than to our own selfish will. And so in Colossians 3, it begins, as we said, with that call to set our hearts and our minds on things above, on things that are eternal, things that will last. And and so we don't do those things that he talks about in verses 5 through 11. We don't give our lives to sexual immorality, to homosexuality. We don't live lives of, of lying and deceit and anger and malice and slander and all of those other things that he talks about in that passage. And so because we don't live that way, therefore, as God's chosen people, let's live this way. Again, it's based on what's already been given to us, that God has called us, that he has chosen us, that he has saved us, that he has loved us. We are holy and dearly loved, not because we live the way Colossians 3 tells us to live. We do that out of gratitude because we've already been Love. We are already recipients of the love and mercy of Christ. Uh, verse 13, at the end of it, when it's talking about one of these specifics in this list of thou shalts, forgiving others, it says we forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. He forgives us first, and then in gratitude and in joy uh, and in humility, we are willing to do the same for others, to forgive others them. The imperative in scripture, how we should live, the thou shalt nots and the thou shalts, are always based on the indicative, what God has already done. We see that time and time again in scripture. Uh, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, Romans 12 begins, uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 talk about the great blessing that we have in our salvation, that is by grace, through faith, uh, through the response of faith. And then he says, after establishing all of that, he says in verse 10, that we should devote ourselves to doing what is good, that we should live lives of good deeds. Says basically the same thing in Titus chapter 3. We are God's workmanship, Paul says in Ephesians 2, his creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to be devoted to doing good, Titus 3, verse 8. Uh, Other passages that we could talk about as well. Uh, The imperative in scripture is always based on and stems from, comes out of the indicative. The great blessing that we have calls us to live a certain way. We don't live a certain way in order to earn God's blessings and God's salvation. He has blessed us. He has saved us. And so now in the vision of Colossians 2 and Romans 6, 
we are raised to live a new life. What does that life look like? Well, in Colossians 3, it gives us what it doesn't look like, the thou shalt nots, and now it tells us what it does look like. So Colossians 3, very similar uh, to some other passages, such as Romans 13 and Galatians 5, the, uh, the uh, works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, um, and the thou shalt nots, but then in verses 22 and 23, the, the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, a very similar list to the one that Paul gives us here in Colossians. Peter himself gives us a similar list as well uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 3. So these are Christian virtues. These are Christian graces, characteristics, uh, attitude, uh, uh, the way we think about others and the way we respond to God and his will. And so this is what um, this is what Paul shares with us through this list in Colossians. If you were going to write down a list of requirements, is is this what what your list would look like? Um, all these things that he says in verse twelve: clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, forgiving others, uh, loving others. Uh, being letting peace rule in your life, singing with gratitude and joy and humility. Uh, that's that's the list that Paul sends to the church at Colossae. Um, and so let's look at some of these. Clothe yourselves with compassion, uh, verse 12. That that sense of compassion that cares about other people. That 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 word kind of builds up from from your gut and, and it, it causes you to feel something for others. Jesus in, illustrated that time and time again in his ministry. Uh, other people around him would be completely oblivious to someone in need and there Jesus would be talking to them, uh, touching that leper, uh, allowing that sinful woman to anoint him. All of the things that Jesus would do that others around him wouldn't do. And the reason he did them is because he had compassion on them. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with kindness. I, I love Jerry and Lynn Jones and their wonderful uh, work uh, trying to enrich and help and strengthen uh, marriages and, and other relationships as well. And one of the things that they emphasize in their wonderful seminar, highly recommend it, <clears throat> is to be kind to one another. And that's one of the things that they emphasize is they talk about the relationship, especially between husbands and wives. You could certainly apply it to parents and children and to fellow members of a church. We should be kind to one another. Uh, the first word that comes to mind when people think of us should not be mean or sarcastic or cutting, or any of those kinds of, of words. But rather, one of the first words they should think of when they think of us is they should think, think of the word kind. You would describe Jesus as being kind. Doesn't mean he was a pushover. He stood very strongly against the religious leaders and others of his day. When he uh, saved that woman's life who had been caught in the very act of adultery that John reports about in John 8, uh, he also confronted her and he said, go your way, but leave your life of sin. I'm not going to condemn you any more than any of the others did, although Jesus could have thrown that first rock. 
But what he did tell her is to go your way and sin no more. Go your way. Uh, I'm giving you your life back. But leave this life of sin. Uh, Jesus was no pushover, but Jesus was very kind. He was kind to that woman. He was even kind to her accusers, helping them to see the hypocrisy in their actions and the cruelty in their actions. Uh, Jesus instead was kind. Overcome evil with good, Romans 12 says in the very last verse of that great chapter. And we're called upon to overcome evil with goodness, with kindness. Um, yes, we have to be smart. Jesus certainly encourages his disciples uh, to do that as he sends them out. But let's not forget that Jesus was kind to people, even to his enemies. When he says, love your enemies and pray for those who treat you poorly, this is, how that, this is what that looks like. Uh, it looks like being kind to them as if they were your friends. Everybody treats their friends well. What separates followers of Christ is that we treat all people with kindness, even those who treat us unkindly. Um, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility. Throughout scripture, God's people are called upon to have humility, a great sense of uh, our own sinfulness will call us to be humble. Uh, we should never think of ourselves as being better than someone else. Even Paul, when he writes to the Ephesians in that chapter I mentioned earlier in Ephesians 2, when he says we are saved by grace through faith, through the response of faith, he quickly adds, and that not of yourself so that no one can boast. We should never boast about our salvation other than boasting in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Uh, we should never boast or feel arrogant or feel like we're better than someone else because we feel like we have a better understanding of God's word and that we have been obedient to that word. Well, those things may or may not be true, but it doesn't give us permission to be unkind and it certainly doesn't give us permission to be proud or arrogant. God's people are humble. Jesus himself, the son of God, was humble. And that great illustration in Philippians chapter two when Paul writes to the Philippians and he's telling them, this is how you should live. This is the kind of attitude and mind you should have. It, it's the spirit of Jesus Christ who acted humbly, leaving the very throne room of the Father and being born in the most humble circumstances and living the life, not just as a human, but as a servant. And even being willing to, to die as a human being, but not just any death, death on a cross. Uh, we, we hear those, that call to be humble, to have our lives uh, filled with humility so that others will be able to see our humility as we point not to ourselves, uh, but to Jesus, our Lord. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Be gentle. Be gentle. Don't be rough. Uh, be gentle with people. Again, that doesn't mean that you don't confront. At times you do. Jesus did. The Apostle Paul certainly did. But they did it gently. I love how Galatians 6 puts it. When someone is overtaken in a sin, you who are spiritual, James says, restore such a person in the spirit of meekness and gentleness. Uh, considering yourself, 
because you know that you also can uh, be tempted. Well, that's being humble. That's being kind. That's being compassionate. That's being gentle. That's how we are to restore each other with gentleness and compassion and understanding, knowing we ourselves struggle. Maybe not with the same sin, but with sins. And any sin looks exactly the same before a holy and righteous God. Um, Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. We find ourselves in in this world of, of these things right here, you know, that will, you know, just click on it and you've got it. Uh, you want to know who, who sang that song and what year it came out? You just click on it and you've got the answer. Uh, we're used to that. And when things are slow and you see that little wheel turning, 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 and it says it's working or it's not responding, we get really frustrated. I find myself praying, Lord, give me patience right now. <laughs> well, that's not how that works. Uh, patience is a very dangerous thing to pray for, by the way, because God just might answer that prayer with a yes. And the way he helps us to develop patience is by not getting our way and not seeing things work out the way we want them to and forcing us, calling us to be patient and to wait. W-A-I-T. And yes, wait is a four-letter word, as we might say, because we don't like to do it. We don't like to wait. In fact, powerful people, that's one of the signs of their power and authority is that they make sure that other people wait for them rather than them having to wait for anything or anybody. Well, that's just not the way Jesus worked. It's not the way he calls his disciples to work either. We are called to be patient. And granted, in our American society, it's a lot harder than in other cultures because we are so time conscious and and we want everything working as it should and everything working on time when it should. Uh, and Jesus says, be patient. Uh, clothe yourselves. What a great list. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. This is just the beginning of this list. And we're going to read on uh, in the verses. In, uh, we're going to read the verses that follow, but we're going to cover them uh, on Thursday. And if we have to delve into next week for some of these, I think that that would be a great thing because when we talk about forgiving others as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us, that is a big deal. When Paul says, above all else, put on love, clothe yourself with love, uh, that's a big, big deal. <clears throat> and then when he says we should be people of peace and unity, we should, uh, just as Jesus called us to peace. We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, uh, verse 15 says, uh, and be a people of peace, just like God is a God of peace, and we were called to peace. Again, biblical peace doesn't mean the absence of conflict. It just means in the midst of, of difficulty that you can be at peace. Uh, we'll look at that some on Thursday also, and he calls us to be thankful and to have gratitude and and to let that gratitude and that thankfulness and that joy be seen in our singing of praises and hymns to our great God. And so I do want us to talk a little bit about that next time or two as we talk about that call uh, to sing and make melody, 
teach and admonish one another and with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. I do want us to talk a little bit about that the next time around as well. Let's end with that verse that we began with, the last verse of this passage. And yes, we'll be emphasizing it on Thursday also, and we'll continue working through this list. But Colossians 3, verse 17, what a great verse to end on. What a great verse to live by. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May we all live exactly that way. Amen.